Welcome back to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, folks. I'm your host, Stu Jenkins. I've been practicing law in San Luis Obispo County since 1978. And I'm here with a wonderful guest, uh, James Wolf, who's been practicing law for 35 years after a stint in the Peace Corps and uh, uh, all kinds of uh, experiences overseas and in this country. Um, James, we've been talking about the legal side of immigration uh, and some of the problems that you run into. Uh, you've actually had applications for some of your clients uh, in investment immigration pending since 2016. That's right. Just because it's underfunded and, and the immigration services aren't organized uh, in a modern way, they, they can't even take uh, paperwork in a PDF. Right. But, you know, you have some experience in this field uh, with the unlawful immigration side. Uh, do you have some recommendations for how we could uh, fix that? Yeah. So um, the immigration laws basically are, they define all the people inside the United States as either citizens or non-citizens. And citizens are those people who are born here. Um, and uh, those people who come into the U.S. and become U.S. citizens through naturalization, mm -hmm. um, as well as people who are born outside the U.S. to U.S. citizens. So those are kind of the three categories. So John McCain, when he was born in the, the canal, zone. canal zone, right. uh, was a U.S. citizen. Exactly. Because his mom and dad were. Right, right. Those are the citizens. And as far as the non-citizens goes, there are either people who are a permanent resident um, who have uh, the right to live and work indefinitely in the U.S. Uh, those people get a green card or a permanent resident card as proof of their status. Is there a difference between a green card and a permanent residence No, card? the permanent resident card is the green card. Okay. Yeah, it's not green anymore. It used to be green quite a while ago, <laughs> but it's still it's like, called like, a green card. Like the pink slip. Yeah, exactly, yeah. a pink slip for your car. Mm -hmm. So permanent residents, uh, then there are people who are here on a temporary visa, uh, that would be for somebody on a working visa, uh, like a software engineer or um, a ski instructor at a ski resort or uh, people who work in agriculture, things like that. Um, and then the third category of people who are not citizens uh, are those who are not documented. They're not, they don't have a legal visa to stay here. They might have what's called parole, which is um, permission to stay temporarily in the U.S. So how does that parole happen? So parole is an interesting category in that it is authorized. The president can parole anybody for any reason for any period of time. Well, I'm sure President Biden isn't spending his time paroling individual uh, folks on that, is he? Well, that was, um, no, not individuals. Um, uh, what President Obama did when he wasn't able to get any immigration reform through Congress, he came up with a program called Deferred Action for Childhood sure. Arrivals, DACA. DACA. And then also Deferred Action for Parents of DACA people, or DAPA. Um, <laughs> and uh, that was based on the parole authority. So it was legally done in terms of... So he paroled the whole classification of people. Right. Okay. Right. Um each individual had to file an application and that was processed individually. So it wasn't like an amnesty where it's just like everybody. <laughs> uh, it was one by one, but it was uh, based on big classifications. 
And so, um, uh, but that just uh, scratched the surface. I think that, I think the total numbers of people who applied under DACA was around a million. And I believe that the current numbers are about 12 million people who are undocumented in the U.S. At the same so we have a, a huge undocumented population. Sure we do. Yeah. And the challenges of that on a personal level for the people who are undocumented is that they have this constant fear of being removed from the U.S. And so are you going to buy a house? No. Are you going to uh, go to school and invest in your future? Uh, no. So every, in that entire category, there's many, many millions of people in that category do own houses and go to college and all of that. But as a class of people, there is this constraint on them, um, on them being able to contribute to the country. Not that they don't want to, but they can. Um, so we have that population of tens, more than 10 million people. At the same time, uh, you know, a big problem, of course, is the border. The border, basically, the border is unsecure because we rely on nature uh, to enforce the border. We have the Sonora Desert. We have a desert and a river. And a river. That's our border. Yeah. Um, And uh, that's not effective. And it's cruel, frankly. Um, I have clients who have lost loved ones on the border. Sure. They were going to come up and suddenly they disappeared. You know, you look at... What's happening along the border communities, especially along the Rio Grande, where um, there's all kinds of trafficking of women and there's horrible conditions for these people. They simply want to come into the U.S. There's no legal way to do it because of these quotas that I mentioned. Well, let's pre- so they come pretend in. James yeah. Wolfe uh, had, uh, we're not going to say dictatorial powers. Let's just say people would pay attention to your ideas. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how would you solve that? Well, I think the grand bargain in all of this is to have two things. One of them is uh, a path for legalization for all the the 12 million here who are already here, and then also uh, a reform of the the legal immigration side so that there are legal ways to come in as a truck driver, you know, or or whatever kind of worker is in short supply, um, and that you don't have to sneak in. Um, You know, there's... uh, Having traveled well, around quite well, a bit, how would you do that? So how would without, I do without uh, without a secure border? Yeah, so you need to have a secure border. Um, so in Singapore, it's a little island city state off of Malaysia. Well, that that's really easy to defend a little island city state. Yeah, but what they did is that they didn't have any particular. They used the water as the border. Right. And um, as a result, many people would die of drowning every year. And so what Singapore did, they said, okay, if, you, if we find you in the water, you're never going to come in. But if you apply through this process, mm-hmm. you will get in. So nobody tries to swim anymore. They apply through the process, but they have to, there has to be a process. Right now, for the millions of people who want to come into the U.S., there is no process. Well, but, um, and I, I actually support a secure border and amnesty for the people here um, unless they've committed crimes right um, but we we see people uh, stories of people uh, reported who come here uh, they're here illegally something happens they flee back across the border they come back with a different name and uh, sometimes they come 
four or five different times into different parts of uh, California or different parts of the U.S., and uh, there doesn't seem to be any way to prevent them from making it across the Sonora Desert or across the water. Right. What, what's your uh, What's your solution to that? Well, I think that That's, it's you know the Chinese built the Great in, Wall of China hundreds, maybe a thousand years ago, so it's not well, physically the, impossible. And it's, the Mongolians got around it. They did. <laughs> <laughs> But it did but work. It, it, uh, so it, it, I think a physical barrier of some mm-hmm. sort, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a physical wall all the way across. There could be electronic surveillance and all that kind of thing. Border patrol agents. Yeah, but yeah. there's, you know, we're literally we're relying on people dying of thirst. That's that's basically our policy on the southwest border um, to keep people out, and that's cruel. And, yes. Well, no, there's no question about that. Yeah. Um, and so we should have, but the yeah. only reason, okay, if you just build a wall, but there's no legal way to come in, you're right. People will dig under the wall. They'll go over the wall. They they'll go, go on the water. They, you know. So there has to be a, a method in which. But I guess the the question, anytime you have a regulation where you have to jump through hoops, uh, if particularly where where the systems are not very efficient. Mm-hmm. If you have to apply in 2016 and it's still pending, yeah, um, people are going to try to figure out a way over the wall, under the wall, right? Uh, to you know, uh, a skiff coming into uh, China Harbor, north of uh, Cayucas, right? So right. the little torpedo boats, yeah. So um, absolutely, there has to be a more simplified way of people to come in legally. And the immigration system now is so complex and Byzantine on, uh, you know, you have to, like I said, you have to apply on paper um, and you have to submit papers for all your supporting documents. And so there are other countries that do this. Canada, they're totally online. The European Union, all 30 odd countries, it's all, all online. Why can't we do it in this country? Well, folks, you're listening to a good discussion with James Wolfe. Immigration lawyer, this is your host, Stu Jenkins. Stay tuned after these important ads for more discussion. <laughs> 